One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. And welcome to episode 13 of the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Vibber, joined as always by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. And uh, we're wrapping up our position preview series today with discussing the relief pitcher position in Audenew. Um, arguably the least interesting, but also maybe the most interesting position this year. Um, given the uncertainty of, of how teams are going to fill their innings, so... Um, it's either the least, the most, or in the middle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Way to go on a limb. Um, for me, and and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but for me, I, I, the thing I'm going to harp on in this episode, and Chad's going to push back on me a little bit, but is skills. Like I, my personal strategy, and now keep in mind, I mostly play in the points formats where I don't necessarily have to own closers like I would in 5x5. Five but for me, skills is the most important thing that I care about when I'm rostering relievers. I don't really care. Like, yes, obviously role matters. But for me, if it's not a high skill pitcher, I am just absolutely not interested in them, whether they're a closer or not. So um, so how do you begin to evaluate? Uh, what, like, what are you looking at when you say that? Well, one of the preps that I had for this uh, episode that we're doing today, and it's a thing that I've done often in the past when I've been doing auction prep, is I like to look at the projections for relief pitchers and then strip out the points for saves and holds to sort of get a true talent for those pitchers. And then I, I look at it based on the points per innings pitched um, that they accumulate Again, without factoring without the, the points they would get without from the situational saves. stuff. Exactly. So it's it's all the roles stripped out of it, and just the talent. Um, and then, if I happen to have closers that are in that you know top group of pitchers without with all that context removed, great. Otherwise, I'm looking to acquire guys that have the high skills that maybe don't have a closing role yet. Maybe they're setup guys, or maybe they're just complete afterthoughts. Sometimes. And going through that process, I'm catching guys that maybe are on the back end of a bullpen and and maybe the the, the auto new community as a whole is just sort of behind the curve when it comes to the, the skills that these guys have. Um, and sometimes I get lucky, sometimes it doesn't work. But I think the other thing for me, and I, I'm interested in what you guys are going to say about this part of it, I don't like to pay a lot for relievers. And I also think that relievers are one of the easiest positions to get in season that there's so many pop-up performances that I'm paying close attention to performance early in the year. And then I'm trying to pick those guys up and churn a little bit to try to pan for gold basically. So I, I, I agree. And I think it's, it's a little weird for me to be the, the devil's advocate on you and the, the skills thing. Cause I, I agree in general. I think you pay for skills um, and and assume that the role where you need it will follow. Um, 
but it varies a lot depending on what format you're playing, right? And in, in Auto New, looking at five by five as an example, you got 12 teams, five relief pitcher spots, you have 60 relief pitcher spots, and one of your five pitching categories is saves. If you don't pay for roll in those leagues, you will lose saves. And if you lose saves, you're probably not going to win your league. You don't have to win saves. You got to be I think punting saves doesn't work. At least that's that's my opinion on it. And so what I find myself doing in 5x5 five five is I want to find that merger of that, that intersection of skills and, and role, right? I want to pay the premium to get elite closers who I don't have to worry about their skills. I don't have to worry about them getting knocked out of the role. Um, you know, pay for a, a Chapman, a, a Jansen, um, an Osuna, um, guys like that where you're, you can be relatively confident what you're going to get out of them. And then maybe I get two or three of those guys, and then I want to fill in behind them with skills that have proximity to roll, right? And I think the the example I've I've used with you, Justin, before is is Chad Green in New York. Like, I'm not going to pay for him in five by five. He's just he's so far away from getting me saves that even though I love the skill set, it's just not really worth it. I can temper that down quite a bit when I go to to points, right? Points the roll matters, but it's not as important. So in that case. Um, I'm much more focused on skills. I also believe that in that case, because of hold, the difference between holds and saves isn't so huge that a guy who's not the quote unquote closer can't have value getting holds. Um, but I still will pay a little premium for a guy who I know is a closer, know is going to be an eighth inning guy, where I know those saves and holds are coming because they have a lot of value and they can they can swing a league. Uh, and then you get to four by four, where I'm going to ignore roll completely. Just give yeah. me skills. This guy's right. only coming out in the sixth inning and throwing an inning and a third in garbage time, but he's going to strike out four guys in a row. Does not matter. Bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to me, that's my favorite part of four by four. By the way, is that it does ignore roll. And yes, you you lose some of that bonus that you get for for pitching in high leverage situations, like you know, which is the whole point of having points for saves and holds in, in the points leagues. Is you're getting sort of a right. a component of leverage is is being factored in. But I love that in 4x4 four four where you're just – all you care about is skills. It doesn't matter what their manager does with them. It doesn't matter you know, if they're pitching the ninth inning or they're pitching the seventh inning. Um, yeah, it's, it's 100% skill. I think looking at the, the average salaries, you see some good illustrations of this. And like three guys that jumped out at me um, are all this Chapman is going for $27 on average in 5x5, five five, $21 in points, 17 in 4x4. Four four. And this is that example of like – role and skill overlap. He is just right. a stud reliever. Gonna and you be couldn't expensive. go out and pay for him in any format and he's and he's worth it. Um in then you look at Craig Kimbrell, who's going for twenty dollars in five by five, but only twelve in points and seven in four by four. And I think what you're seeing there is he seems to have a role. The skills are, you know, they're they've been great. But they looked a little shaky also at times. And I think there's some right. they're like on there. the People, wrong yeah, and people Wrong aren't willing to pay for up. a lot of players. Right, people aren't willing yeah. to pay up for that. But you, but if you in five by five, you, the role and the possibility that the skills are still there, it's totally worth it. And then you look at a guy like uh, Alex Colome with the the White Sox. He's going for eleven dollars in five by five, seven dollars in points, and only three dollars in four by four. Because while he's a totally he's a perfectly fine pitcher, he's not winning your league for you. He's not a game changer with those underlying skills, um, and so. In in four by four, people just aren't paying for him. But again, in five by five, you're going to get up into double digits. And even in points, this is where I'm saying in points, I'll pay a premium, right? Kalame is 
got a closer role. Even if things go a little bit sideways, he's probably still at the very least in a setup role. And so there's some added value in points that I don't get in 4x4. Four four. And so in 4x4, four four, even at $3, I'm probably not in. This year for me, I, uh, I, I try to take the Justin approach uh, generally and also this year especially uh, in painting for gold for a reliever. Like I, my first two weeks is absolutely just scouring free agency for who who showed me anything um there are a ton of relievers there's tons of uh skills to find um especially when a pitcher who who is capable of being in the majors only has to pitch for an inning like you will find guys who are pitching the sixth inning in kansas city that are that are compelling right like you'll find guys all over um both role and uh in terms of good teams, bad teams, like you don't have to be beholden to that stuff, especially when you're playing four by four, um, where where role uh, and leverage takes a little bit of a backseat. Um, I'm wondering though, and I'm 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 sort of nervous about it from my own perspective, and you guys can agree or uh, agree that I should be nervous or tell me that I'm okay. I'm I don't know if the painting for gold is going to work super great in a short season. Um, one, because it's only 60 games, like by the time I normally would have caught the guy, which is like two weeks into April, like I'm losing a quarter of the season. And two, like, I think there's just going to be an outsized, and we talked about this a little before we started the show, but there's going to be like an outsized impact of these guys. And I think there's, maybe we're drawing attention to it, but I think there will be attention drawn to relievers this year. Uh, role for starters versus relievers is super up in the air. Uh, there's going to be less innings from starters in the first month and the first two weeks, especially. Uh, so these relievers might get a lot more innings in and a lot more outs. And, you know, that can really obviously affect uh, any kind of uh, in any format that is a positive, right? So getting cheap outs is a win. So I just wonder if, like I am price sensitive on relievers, and I wonder if this is the worst year to be price sensitive on relievers, just due to the short season. I think the panning for gold thing. I think that you, you brought up one aspect of it, um, which is by the time you get comfortable really relying on a guy and, and you know putting in that bid on him, you've lost half the year or something like that. Um, it's it is going to be late by the time you find guys you're willing to bet on, which means you're going to have to bet earlier, right? You're going to have to see a guy make two appearances and go forget it. This is the guy I'm going after. And, and the, the risk of that, where it's being, a, being a, be really volatile, is let's say a guy who nobody was expecting to be good goes out in his first two appearances, throws two perfect innings with four strikeouts, and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, you know, usually I'd want to see another inning or two, but I'm going for it. Um, and then his next inning, he comes in and gives up back-to-back home runs and gets pulled. You, you've just cut you know, 25, 30 points, whatever it is, off your season. Uh, for a guy who maybe was never good enough to be on your roster. Um, and, you know, it's unfortunate when your 25 or 30 points like that all of a sudden cost you. It's effectively the, it's effectively the equivalent of a start, right? It's like a negative one start. And that sucks when you're talking about negative one start out of 1,500 innings. And it's a disaster when you're talking about negative one start out of 560 innings. <laughs> um, and that's where I think the panning for gold is going to be a little scary for me yeah, this year. Yeah, it's so risky. If I'm wrong, you yeah. can undermine your whole season with one can, bad bet. You can totally blow it up, and but the, but the allure is still there, right? If you find the guy who 
maybe put it all together or just gets a little bit more of an outsized role and gets some cheap outs in the first two or three weeks. Like, I don't know. Like, so, so, so given those concerns, Chad, okay. And I, and I don't disagree. If you had to do it all over again with all your drafts this year, would you have invested more in those lock it down stud relievers then? Because then you're, you're not putting yourself in a position where you have to pan for gold to, to so, find relievers. I, I think it depends a little bit on the format. In in points leagues, I think the answer is yes. I would have spent a little more on, on relief pitching than I usually do. Because in, in points leagues, on top of everything else, Larry was saying you, you need to have some weight put on a roll in points leagues. Um, I'm willing to give a month of the season for a guy to get into a role, right? So if I've got a guy, I'm like, look, this guy's the sixth inning guy now or a middle reliever now, but I think he's going to be a setup guy or a closer before long. If it takes him a month to get there, I'll do that. And that's fine. I'll wait on it. Um, this year, I don't know if I'd feel as good about that. In four by four, um, I, I honestly like... I already am doing like I, I pan for gold based on the previous season is basically what I do, right? I'm looking at the guys in when I go into the draft or who are the guys I think I can get for less than five bucks who I can slot into my bullpen and feel good about. And so like if you look at, at the guys I have on multiple rosters, there's only three relievers I have on two that I that I have on two plus rosters. One of them is Kirby Yates, and that's a guy I had two years ago and have been kept and he's cheap and so great. Um the other two are Kevin Ginkle and James Kerinchak, right? And those are guys who neither of them pitched a full season last year. The skills are there. They are both potentially incredibly valuable, um, but they came relatively inexpensively because they haven't really proved it yet. They're certainly not, you know, they're certainly not a Araldis Chapman. They're certainly they're not even a Chad Green, right? They haven't even established themselves to that point yet, and so. Um, I feel like I've already done it, right? And and I don't think I would do anything different in a four by four league, uh, except that I left the four by four auction for League One with I think five relievers, and I usually like to have six or seven, and figured I'd fill that out eventually. And I just went out and this week added Nick Birdie and uh, Oliver Drake in that league, who are two guys that fit this sort of panning for gold thing, right? The underlying skills that I've seen in the past, or they've demonstrated, especially um, Drake last year, Birdie sort of over his prospect career, I guess you would say, um, give me reason to believe they're going to be strong performers and I'm going to bet on them now, but I'm not betting on them based on a one week sample of performance. I'm trying to find guys I can bet on today. Um, I might have, rather than waiting on two guys like that, I might've paid a few more bucks to get more solidly established relievers in the draft. Yeah, and and I, it's interesting because I, I'm thinking about some of my squads right now, and the rosters that I have, I think I'm in a similar situation to you, where I kind of already have a pretty set bullpen, but it's because I have been lucky to find um, some of those guys that have increased in value, and and they're cheap to begin with. Like I'm not spending thirty dollars on a Kenley Jansen or or anything crazy like that because um, I don't have to. Um, I think I'm a little bit different than you in a sense that I'm, I am very willing to look only at a very small sample of this year only to start adding relievers. Like to me, it's the one position. It's the one aspect of performance that I'm willing to basically ignore prior history. And by now, mostly in the case of a pop-up guy, not, not so much in the case of a, 
you know, I'm not going to cut somebody because they had a bad three outings or whatever. But if I'm adding someone, I, I make a lot of gambles on a few appearances with, you know, if, if they've got the strikeout rate is there, velocity is there, you know, the XFIP, I admit, I look at that a lot. I'm 100% with you It's not a big sample, but like, that's what I'm going to look at in those short samples to determine if I'm going to pick a guy up. I'm nodding vigorously. Like, this is exactly <laughs> where I gamble. Like, I, I like I like having a little bit of the gamble, but this is it for me. Like, I think um, the I, I also think, like, the the more reasonable I get with playing auto new and thinking about how players' performance, how I should think about player performance in order to be successful at auto new, relievers just stay as the outlier of like I'm willing to take risks and in a way that like should you do that should you make a decision on five games at a second base for for second base or or outfield probably not but five like less than five outings for a reliever and I'm like let's roll the dice because you can get them for inexpensive you can churn them and uh if you hit you hit I mean like it it just it feels like the right way to do it for me because I would rather spend that money in other places. I think I typically agree. Could, I just think this year, I think that the risk reward balance isn't there. Right. Because if, you know, I, I so I, usually when I do this, I end up going through like two to three different guys before I find one that really sticks, right? You go through a guy, you're like, ah, okay, he showed the K rate, he showed the velocity, and then all of a sudden, like the control just wasn't really there. He started to hit a little harder. And it's like, okay, fine, I'm out. Next guy, next guy. Oh, this third guy really stuck. But if I spend a week on the first guy and a week on the second guy before I find the third guy, that's too much of the season to give up. In an, in 162 games, it's three appearances, four appearances over a couple weeks, fine, whatever, brush it off. It's worth the gamble to find the guy who sticks. I think it's a bad bet this year. It it, it very well could be, but I think a lot of teams, they're not going to have much choice, right? Yeah, like, what, 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 what are you going to do <laughs> if you've only got five relievers and one of them's hurt? you've got to, you've, yeah, it's, I get it. It's a risky market to dip your toe in, but I, I think the good news is I'm a lot less hesitant about doing that than I am trying to find an outfielder w- based on four games worth of play. Yeah, that's, you know, that's which one is, is actually going to be there and which one's going to, is going to fall back into a pumpkin. I mean, we could go half of the season and have somebody perform as an all-star and then the other half of the season be below replacement level because that's just the in terms of hitting right and but that's just the nature of of hitting streaks where I'm a little less worried about doing that same sort of thing on relief pitcher. Um, I'm just as worried about it. I agree that I'm not going to have a choice. Like I'm looking now, Justin, <laughs> yeah, at the, I mean, the the food and travel league that we just drafted a few weeks ago, and I did exactly what I what I just said I would have done in the in league one that I would have been a little bit more aggressive. I spent eighteen dollars on six relievers in that league, um, and I was super happy with the six relievers I got. And now, out of those six. Roberto Ozuna is behind, and who knows if he's going to be ready for opening day. Giovanni Gallegos is on the DL, and we don't know what Rael, sorry, and we don't know what his timing is. Jordan Hicks has opted out of the season. Brad Hand has no velocity right now, um, and that's four, that's four of my six. So now I've got Kevin Ginkle and Nick Birdie, who I talked about before, who I'm, I'm very happy to have both of those guys. That's great. But my bullpen is shambles in that league. <laughs> and I thought that I'd gone out so, and spent So is to mine, it if work. it makes you feel any better. <laughs> Because I have I have a seven dollar Batansis, a five dollar Taylor Rogers, 
and then a bunch of dollar guys because Keon Keel is on the DL right now or the IL right now. Yeah, but that um, was your strategy, right? It, I mean, it, like I'm looking at this like Chafin, it was, Kelly, and it was. Trinos so it's is, not like I'm missing Trinos's role. Well, he's not even in camp right now. So oh, he tested positive <laughs> in late June. Got it. Yeah. So well, there you go. <laughs> I I don't know what I mean now because it's four by four. Yes, I have to meet a minimum innings threshold in order to get credit for for point standing or for uh, pitching standings. But I don't have the same urgency necessarily as I would in a points game to start rotating lots of relievers in here. Um, but I probably need to, to to look for some bulk relievers, especially to to get some innings and get some performance. Um, and the other problem is like I, it never feels like forty players is enough. 40, 40 man rosters is, is deep. It is, but it also still never feels like enough. I want to be able to speculate on like sixty guys. <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. So no, you talked about bulk this... relievers. Um, who? Wh- let's talk a little bit about why bulk relievers matter, or how they matter, or where they matter. But then also who you're looking at, because I, I think one of the things I'm struggling with this year is it's really unclear to me what people's roles are going to be. Yeah, I mean, we covered this a little bit in the starting pitcher episode with Eno. Um, First of all, in a, in a points league, especially because we're talking about it might be difficult to reach inning-pitched caps this year, I think a bulk reliever is going to help you there. Um, a bulk reliever, yes, they're likely not going to get saves or holds, but the nature of relieving, you're going to have a more efficient outing in shorter bursts than you would in a longer burst if they were start, you know, starting the, the game. Um, presumably, you know, five innings versus two two innings out of relief, they're gonna they're gonna put up a better performance in theory. Um, so, as much as you can shift your innings to the reliever side of your ledger, the better. And then in head to head leagues, it's doubly true because you're constrained in most leagues. You have a game starts per week constraint for your starting pitchers, but you have no such cap for relievers. So in head to head leagues, I want as many bulk relievers as I can, as long as they're getting. If their two innings of five points is is better than a closer who goes one inning and gets nine points, um, because all you care about in that moment is 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 the total points. Now, as far as who to target, I guess I'm looking at pitchers that might have been in the mix for the rotation, but are the sixth and seventh guy now. Maybe they're the long reliever. They're they need to stay stretched out because I don't know how these teams are going to manage. What do they do when a starter gets hurt? Do they go to their long reliever that's on the 30-man roster right now? Do they grab a guy from the alternate site who they ha- already have stretched out? Are they going to be stretched out enough? Um, that's going to be very interesting to see what some of these teams do when they start to have rotation rotation pieces fall out, right? And yeah, I mean, so, do you would you rather have a guy who's thrown? two, maybe three innings once a week against major league hitters in major league games or a guy who's been throwing six innings in simulated games or in glorified spring training inter-squad games. Like, that's a yeah, tough call. I, it, it absolutely is. And and I think we're not going to be able to figure some of that out until we start to see what these teams do as far as filling, filling those spots. Um, right now, I'm focused more on the guys that are going to be on the 30-day roster or the 30-man roster that didn't win a rotation spot. That they're already talking about maybe being a piggyback guy. Uh, Tyler Malley, we we talked about him right before we started recording with the Reds. Um, any of the Dodgers pitchers, right? Like you know they're going to sort of churn through uh, the Rays guys. Um, you know Ronnie, Chir- we just mentioned Chirinos, but again he's not in camp, so that kind of stings. But 
we know the Rays are going to be utilizing that aspect. They were they were one of the ones that, that pioneered some of that strategy last year with with openers and then a bulk reliever behind. Um, those are kind of the teams I'm going to keep a close eye on. Um, I don't think I own as many potential bulk reliever candidates as I probably should, just because I didn't want to overbet on a guy who maybe never actually got that role. Because we're not even sure exactly who you know what these teams are going to do. So. That makes it very difficult, but that's another one of those aspects that not only am I going to be looking at reliever performances early in the year in terms of it, the quality of the, those performances, but I'm also going to be taking a close look at which of these relievers are coming in for two or three inning stints. Um, so it's not just the skills, but it's also sort of that bulk role. That, that might be the only role I care about this year when it comes to relievers is which ones are getting bulk roles, because um, I think it's going to be critical. In, in every format, maybe with the possible exception of 4x4, four four, but even then, if you're if you have a team like mine and you're short on starting pitching and relief pitching, a bulk reliever is going to give you a pretty big boost in trying to meet that minimum innings that you need to reach. Yeah, this is also this is one of the areas where points leagues and, and four by four as well, for that matter, are really different from five by five. And for people who are used to playing sort of a traditional five by five format, um, bulk relievers are, are are not actually great for for you because um, right. they're less likely to get saved, or they're not going to get saves. They're less likely to get wins because they're just coming in in a different circumstance. Um, you're just in a like you're in a weird spot where. Um, it, they're, they're, you know, I guess it depends on what the rules. If they're coming in as a follower, they might be just as likely to get a win as a starter. I was going to say, like a I mean, long they, man out of the pen, they're not right. right, depends right, right, on what, right. Which bulk reliever they are? Um, we're gonna again, have so like, many. We're going to have so many Chirino, wins. Chirino so had many. like eleven or twelve wins last year, didn't he? Yes, but he was he was coming in at that sort of he was the starting pitcher. He just didn't throw the first inning or so. Right. I feel right? like which we're going to have a lot of we're going to have a lot of wins that are going to be score determined this year, right? Like you. We might see guys who go uh, four innings to start, and then the bulk guy gets uh, gets the game official, and then and then you start realizing that man, why do I depend on wins? Um, right. But which it's, is it, and it's going to play havoc on five by five leagues. Yeah, right? I mean your sure. starters aren't going as deep; they're not as likely to accrue wins. Um, and I play I play in a league. Uh, one of my one of my my only actually at this point non auto new league it uses quality starts. <laughs> like. Which Who's is almost worse. Start yeah, game? I mean, good luck. Scherzer's sure, sure yeah. going to get twelve of them. <laughs> and I mean, the Verlander's going to get ten, and no one else is going to get any. <laughs> and that's the other thing is like, it's sort of harkening back to what we talked about when we were talking about like role and and the news or whatever, like trying to mine uh, the news for information about your fantasy team. Like when there are thirty man rosters down to twenty eight, down to twenty six, it's going to be until there are twenty six man rosters when we start actually getting sort of the traditional lines that we're used to, right? Four extra players is going to make a huge difference, uh, especially if, like, any of them are pitchers. Well, they're all, they're almost all going to be, right? They like, should be all pitchers. A lot of these pitchers. teams are, are running... They don't have any reason to carry another bat. There's only right. so many bats you can play. You have endless capacity for pitching, as September Baseball has shown us in the past, right? So, so it's going to be pretty interesting uh, that, you know, not only... Like, you're... Bulk guys aren't really even going to stabilize until we get to 26 man, which is maybe by the time the pitchers are actually stretched out. I, I already am thinking in my brain about the Fangraphs leaderboard sort by innings pitched free agents thing I'm going to do on like July 29th. And just like anyone who has four innings, like starting starting up the, the 48 hour auction, because like I, I 
it's not going to stabilize, and you're just going to have to take bets. Like, it's, it's probably worth doing something like pulling up a you're talking about the leaderboard, a leaderboard filtered to zero starts, and then export it and sort it by innings pitched per appearance or something like that. Right? Yeah. There's some there's some view like that that lets you say who are the guys who are throwing two to three innings at a time, not as a starter. Yeah, or it's even or it's even just who in the last five days has the early trust of the manager to come yeah. to make two appearances. Like and I think, you know, when, when we're talking about painting for gold, like you're gonna have to be really creative. And I think an auto new gives you some of those tools, especially with the fan graphs integration, um, to really be creative about seeking those guys out. And I would really just highly recommend looking at the fantasy leaderboards uh, and and trying to be creative about trying to find dudes you can snag for a dollar and and just cut loose after a week if it's a disaster and hold on to because you, you're going to find gems i think and it's, especially if you're able to find someone who gets two appearances in the first five days while they're still 30 man that's going to be someone who's going to pitch a lot this year unless they're atrocious yeah, right we, i mean we, right we, i mean i don't know i think you're right i, I don't know how else to I don't know how else to do it, right? It's just like, I feel like we're going to have such limited information going into the season that you're going to have to find those angles and like... And like this I has been like a thing that we've we've brought it up many times, right? Like every position, there's a part where we're like, well, just let the variance wash over you and this is just... But I think with relief pitchers, man, I, I don't know if there's any position where it's more stark. Uh, just because we're so unsure about usage, we're so uncertain about role, and we're so uncertain about um, how anyone is going to adapt in this situation. Anyway, what were you going to say, Chad? I, I don't know if that. No, I, it makes sense. I, you know, I'm starting to wonder. Like, is there a is there a a streaming strategy with relief pitchers where, like, just look at who's playing bad teams in the next two weeks? Who's 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 on their way to Pittsburgh and leaving Pittsburgh to go to San Francisco? And just right. what relief pitcher on that team is available, <laughs> and just grab them. Like it's like not even like, looking at it's it's like looking at it's like looking at what's a two star pitcher, starting pitcher, except what's your next seven games. Yeah, and um, just like, you know, and then we have we have like the pitch count stuff on the lineup page now too. So like, just you're going to have an opportunity to actually take advantage of it. You know, nobody's going to be pitching back to back when there's thirty man rosters. Like that's just. Uh, unhealthy and foolish, so I don't think any teams are going to allow that to happen, except in the most extreme, like this guy wants to get saves and he only pitched nine innings yesterday situations. So, like, you're going to have, like, a little bit of clarity there about usage. But, yeah, I mean, I wonder I wonder if that's, like, the thing is, like, if you can find a view for, like, the next two weeks of games and be like, this is worth starting a 48... This is worth starting an auction for uh, just to snag someone who's pitching in San Diego, pitching in San Francisco, and maybe pitching in Oakland three days in a, like three, three trips around, out. Yeah. 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 You'd have to be ca- careful with your, with your cap situation though, because any of those guys that you're cutting after the fact, if presumably if they're not being picked back up, you're, you're getting those dollar or $2 penalties. Are gonna yeah. Stick I mean, around. streaming is so hard anyway, but like, but, but streaming is what we're talking about doing with relief pitching anyways, right? When you're talking about panning for gold, like that's all that is. It's just streaming based off of skills. I'm well, suggesting maybe you do it based off of matchup. And 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 instead of saying like, do I the, think... The, 
The skill's stickier, though, right? The matchup is fleeting. Like, yeah. Niv's, Niv's talking about picking up a guy because he has a good two-week outlook. Right. I, and then what do you do with him? You're going to yeah, cut him I mean, because he doesn't have that good outlook And then it, anymore, And then right? it turns out he's a Colorado relief pitcher, and he's playing the rest of his games in Colorado. Quarter, it's a quarter of the season. That's true. That's true. So you, just YOLO? Just <laughs> YOLO, it's, man. It's, not even, it's, it's, it's almost the opposite. It's like, let, give me two solid weeks that I know are going to be solid weeks because he's not facing anybody that I have to be scared of. And then... I'll move on to the next guy. And maybe that's maybe that maybe I'd rather gamble at any given moment on somebody whose skills pop out to me. But there aren't always guys whose skills pop out to you. And the guy whose skills pop out to you who's headed to headed to Colorado and then facing the Dodgers, I'd rather bet on a guy facing the Giants and and the Pirates than pitching in cores and then facing the Dodgers, even if yeah, the skills I mean, it, are lower. Uh, what it, you're it, saying, it, Justin, is super fair. Like it is circumstantial, right? Like I think you, I think you mentioned in an earlier episode that you like going into the season with like um, most of your money spent. I think if you find yourself going into a season with a lot of free cap, which I think, Chad, our team has a little bit more cap than I'm used to having available yeah. in uh, in the league that we just picked up together. Like, I think in that situation, streaming can make more sense. Obviously, well, that was that was my only point is that that streaming, I think, only makes sense if you have the, the cap room in order to make that work. Um, and it's less that I like to have that much money tied up and more just that I can't help myself and I'm never <laughs> diligent, diligent enough about, right, about right, leaving right. some money in reserve. Um, because I think that's another factor and, and we've sort of hinted around at it in the last few episodes, but I wonder if having free cap space is going to be a strategic advantage this right. year it to be, be able really... to you know, to take advantage of some of these guys that maybe they get cut because people don't have the same patience they would otherwise because it's a shorter season and they're running out of roster spots. So maybe there's some veterans that underperform for a week and they get cut and having the free cap to pick those guys up could, could be a big benefit. Um, There's a lot of things that uh, I think this season is a good way to think about like what you should be doing in a full season. And like to Justin's point there, like I think I'm not super diligent about paying attention to everyone else's cap situation in my leagues. Right. And this is a year to just like exactly what you said, Justin, like maybe I do want to pay a little bit more attention to who has the money, who's churning through players, who's carrying a lot of cap penalties. Like where, where are people allocating their resources? And I think, you know, over a 60 game season, you can like really lock in on that. And I think like if we're talking about this kind of strategy for relief pitching, like you really do need to know who else is capable of doing that kind of thing in your league if you want to do it. Right. Yeah, well, because I also think it, given the, I, I think people are going to have to churn at multiple positions. And so the other thing to do with that cap room, if you've got it, is just buy players off of other teams. <laughs> right. I, you know, you're going to, like, this team need, you know, a team needs a reliever because they had a couple guys go down. They don't have the cap space to do it. Can you go out and offer them $10 a cap space for a starting pitcher you need that? They wouldn't cut that guy at three dollars, but to get rid of his salary plus a ten dollar loan, maybe they would, and maybe you can start to like, maybe you can sort of bully people with the money a little bit more than you have been able to in the past. Um, I, I mean, I, I like, I've, I can think of there was there was one point years ago, five, six, seven, eight years ago, something like that, in in League One, where late in the season I had an opponent. I was I was in first, I think, and the team in second needed starting pitching, and they kept starting auctions, and I just had cap space on cap right. space, and I was bidding 20 bucks on every starting pitcher they put out there. Because so I was like, I'm just going to block you. 
yeah. right? You're, you're either going to pay $21 to get that spot start you want, or I'm gonna, you're not going to be able to catch me. And this may be a year where you don't necessarily – that doesn't work over the course of a full season. I did that for like a week, and it worked. Um, but maybe you can use that money in some different ways if you've got it. Uh, Right. That was like a, that's like a very situational thing that can work in like certain head to head uh, formats or in a case where we had a very close race at the end of a season. But I think right in this, in this situation, people like people are going to be strapped. And I think like if you have money, it could be a little bit more powerful this year. Yeah, Uh, I agree. So we talked a lot about strategy and stuff. Do we want to talk about some names? Yeah, I, I'll go quickly through this. So, so I already mentioned that I, I, I put together this ranking sheet based on this is depth charts projections, stripping out the points for for saves and holds, and I look at guys that are basically my 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 internal rule of thumb is usually I want to own guys that are like top twenty or top twenty five in this skill ranking. Um, so here's a list of those guys quickly with with the ranking. Um, Nick a- Nick Anderson, obviously, he was incredible last year, especially when he moved over to the Rays. He's the sixth best relief pitcher based on on just the skill portion of of the projections. Um, Nick Birdie, who who Chad's already mentioned, is ninth. Austin Adams for the Mariners. He was hurt last year, but he's healthy now. He just came off the sixty day IL. Um, I think he's going to be on the opening day roster, and he might be a closing candidate. Big sleeper for me. Austin Adams is the 10th best reliever by that metric. James Karinchak, another name that Chad already mentioned, is 11th. Dylan Batances, I mentioned earlier, is 12th. Drew Pomeranz is 17th. And then Bruce Dar Gratterall is 22nd. Um, so those are all guys that are top 25 in terms of skills based on the projections, not accounting for role. Those are all guys that I want to own. The only one I don't own in a lot of leagues is Gratterall. Um, every other one of those guys are guys I have on multiple rosters, and and that's part of the reason why I do because they're they're high skill pitchers. It's interesting. I uh, I'm looking at my list, and I've got a lot of overlapping names: Birdie, Pomerantz, um, Karinchak. I'm a big fan of Anderson. I found he was too expensive um, everywhere yeah. I looked for him, and so I just sort of. Ignored him. He was less um, a guy. I, yeah, he was less a guy I bought, and more a guy that I had held over and kept from last year. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and so there's a lot of guys that I that I think there, there's some overlap on them. I want to go and look at your list because some of the other names, um, Giovanni Gallegos is another guy whose talent I I would bet on. Thirty um, first, so okay. close to that range that I would you know. Yeah, and uh, Oliver Drake, who appears to be twenty fourth on 24th. that list, yep. is another guy who just actually in the last like I didn't I didn't hadn't really ID'd him anywhere else. He's he's sort of buried in terms of role. We talk about those skills over role guys. He's one of these guys who's who's a little bit buried, um, but I really like what he what he brings to the table. Um, and so I'm starting to to look at where I can add him as I'm trying to fix my. Very broken bullpens, but I mean, yeah, you look at that that Rays bullpen. That Rays bullpen is just stacked with talent, and and Drake, he's he's older, right? He's thirty three years old. He doesn't have a long track record, despite that age. He's only been a, he's he's thrown uh, really only three full seasons um, with a bunch of different teams. I mean, 
And, and last year, you know, he's he's this guy who, if you look at Drake in 2017 and 18, the FIP and XFIP looked pretty good. The strikeouts were were mostly there. Um, but he also, over that time, pitched for the Orioles, Brewers, Indians, Angels, Blue Jays, and Twins over two seasons. Wow. Last year, he lands with the Rays and throws 56 innings with uh, a 3.21 ERA, 3.21 XFIP, um, over 11 strikeouts per nine, right? And so all of a sudden, there's, he, he sort of has established himself somewhere, but it's the Rays. And so he's buried in their bullpen. He's not one of the first guys that comes to mind when you think of the Rays' bullpen. Um and nobody really pays that much attention to the race since nobody goes to their games or anything. And so I, I find like that's the kind of guy that I'm always looking for is like, who's the guy who shows up 24th on a list like what Justin made? But when you mention his name, there's a good chance that even a reasonable baseball fan is like, wait, who? <laughs> I've, I've never heard of that guy. Um and especially again in in like a no, he's a guy who I've I already have him rostered in, I think one of my four by fours. Um, I'm a little bit more nervous about him in points leagues. I'm not sure he's going to get any holds or saves. And that really limits his upside. It, it does. It, it, it definitely does. I think for me, I'm willing to, because I do the, the high skills creates a high floor to me. Um, and, and yes, without, without being in a setup position or, or a closer position where they actually get those holds and saves, it may not be much more than a slightly above replacement level floor, but I'm okay with that, especially because I do want to own. I think you you said it earlier, Chad. Like I'd like to own seven or eight relievers. Normally, I want to be able to cycle them in to maximize as many innings as possible out of the bullpen. Um, so that's a back end guy that I want to have. That I'm confident putting them in, and I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to get stung by a, a, an, an inordinate amount of bad performances um, from a guy like that, but. And I think the, the other poor point I want to make real quick, I want to shift to the opposite side of the story, right? Which is who are the guys that have closing roles or high leverage roles that do very poorly in this metric? And the three names I have are Kenley Jansen, who's 55th. He's not the same Kenley Jansen, and he hasn't been for a couple of years now. Um, Rysel Iglesias for the Reds is 79th. And then Archie Bradley with the Diamondbacks is 93rd. Um there's just so much fragility there. And, 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 and I say all this, and I know I own at least one Archie Bradley and one Kenley Jansen. So I, I don't know how they ended up on my team necessarily, but um, those are guys that I would just be trying to move if at all possible, because it's the role is so fragile when it's backed up by eroding skills like that. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, those are all good call outs. I think that's, that is for me where, um, it depends on the format. Like in five by five, I'm not trading those guys unless somebody pays me a king's ransom, especially Jansen, yeah. because I think he's gonna have a long leash. Right, um, right, right. But I like I'm not I'm not looking to move those guys in a in a points league. I might be more willing to bet on them because if they do continue to perform well enough despite the skills um, and hold down that role, they have value just by being in that role. In four by four, I don't actually really want those guys on my roster. Like well, not. because because the benefit of the role, you don't get it at all. In right, you don't get four, any. So right. you're just and, getting and somebody. You will. You, you've if you have even a you know a twelve dollar, let's say Kenley Jansen in a four by four league, which is probably I should look before I just say that's his average value, but I bet it's somewhere around there. Um, if you if you've got him, like you're going to be better off 
uh, either cutting him because someone else will pick him up and take the take the penalty off your plate, or trading him to someone who values him because people will value the role even when it doesn't exist. So his his average salary actually in in five by in four by four is nine dollar nine point six. So. Uh, you can either guarantee yourself $10 in cap space or trade him. Um, and I don't think I would cut him, at least not right now. I would be shopping him, though, for sure. Right. And if I felt like there was any sign of struggle, I might get out from under it and let someone else take on the fi- the half price salary and, and use that money only, if I need that money. The only thing about uh, – and I, I agree with everything Chad just said uh, in 4x4. The only thing I would say is that uh, – we talked a lot about variance and about having to really take crazy bets, just hoping guys will be pitching. Bradley and Kenley Jansen will get to pitch, right? So you do the role in some sense, even in four by four, is worthwhile because they will get innings. And um, and while absolutely Kenley Jansen is not the same Kenley Jansen, and Archie Bradley uh, just doesn't have the the skills set that you want from a reliever, I think there is value in having certainty around some appearances. Um, and I have I have relievers that that are sorry. Let me say it this way: in four by four, I have a couple closers or guys who are close to closer roles who aren't necessarily the most exciting or good guys. And I think one of them, Chad, is on your list of guys to avoid. And uh, I'll let you go ahead and go to them, but. The the reason you acquire those guys on four by four this year, I think, is that you know they will be pitching, and there is some value to that. And I think like let's not understate that. Now at the same time, there are going to be like Kenley Jansen for nine dollars. You're gonna like five dollar cap penalty and that extra money that you get. You're gonna have you can get better performance in four by four. Like you just absolutely can. You can get two pitchers who will both put up better strikeouts than Kenley Jansen this year. Um, but uncertainty about how often they'll get to throw. Yeah, I think I, I assume the guy that you're you're talking about having, you know, checked your roster and looked at my list is is Brad Hand and right. uh, I do I I you know Hand is a guy who I actually like. He's been super solid, super consistent. He's a guy who I w- who I've typically thought of as skills and role combined pretty well. Um, his velocity's been down, and I think one of the things that's going to be a little weird this year is I'm used to watching pretty closely. Like uh, I'm going to mention him for the second time in two podcasts. Jeff Zimmerman at Fangraphs often does that sort of spreadsheet of guys whose velocity in spring training. He's not doing it this year because there's not enough data out there. Um, I'm used to using that and and trying to get a sense of like who am I worried about? And it's you know it's spring training or in this case summer camp, whatever they call it. And so some guys are working up, and you don't want to overreact to it, but it's a thing to keep an eye on. Um, as an Indians fan, I just happen to be aware that Hand is having some velocity issues. Uh, but I would look around and see who are other guys like that that are the velocity's down. Everybody's had a weird summer. Not everyone's up to speed the way they should be. Like. Who else is in that situation? Because, you know, some pitchers can lose a mile and be fine, and some pitchers can't. And if, you know, if Hand has a couple rough outings to start the year and the velocity isn't coming back, I'm going to be getting ready to jump ship pretty soon. I've got him in my other 4x4, um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about him. 
And and I think in and I Eno alluded this in our, our starting pitching episode too. But if we're looking at tiny tiny sample indicators, like velocity is is the best one to use when it comes to pitchers. So that's something that I think everybody really needs to keep an eye on this year. Um, in the case of of you know underperforming velocity or or these guys that we're talking about trying to pan for gold, if there's a guy that that's showing a lot more velocity than he normally has as a as a guy to to maybe acquire. Um, I think velocity is going to be that's going to be the number one thing you're going to look at, right? Is is how hard are they throwing? Yeah, velocity. And Eno pointed out that's like the easiest one. It's really correlates quite well and, quick, um, and quicker. And so, knowing like I guess there was an announcement, and Fangraphs is going to get the Statcast data pretty soon, right? Uh, so Statcast will be on Fangraphs, and not exactly sure in what capacity quite yet, but. Um, you have to imagine, you know, when Fangraphs gets data, they love putting on the leaderboards. They love putting it on player pages. Um, is there something off the stat cast that you guys would look at when you're trying to make these kinds of judgment decisions? Because I think we can agree that, like, the skill sets, like, I'll give you guys a second because I just jumped this, dropped this on you guys. <laughs> but, like, um, you know, we think the skills of velocity is being number one in the easiest strikeout rate, walk rate. Uh, strikeouts minus walks, like the stuff that Eno mentioned in the starting pitcher episode. Um, I think those are like really, really easy to see, um, really easy to, um, to to search, to like find on any kind of source. And, and you know, pretty predictive, like pretty helpful in telling you. And then I mentioned like I'm definitely going to look for guys who had two outings in the first week, guys who seem to have managers trust early in the season, just so you have a little bit of reliability about about getting guys in that actually get to pitch. Because, again, relief pitchers is, like, the least deterministic about uh, usage, right? You're, you're really guessing there, unlike having a starting indicator or having a knowing where in the lineup a hitter is going to hit. So is there something that you would look at, like, beyond that? Like, like these are very simple. Like, this is, like, box score stuff, newspaper stuff. Is there something on the stat cast that you would look at that maybe gives you an edge that would you would use as an edge? on a coin flip between two middle relievers? I, I mean, possibly the, um, the exit velocity for, for the, for on the pitching side for, for these guys. That's a great um, call. Uh, you know, that might be one thing that you'd want to look at. I, I want another piece of data on velocity, right? I mean, the stack has velocity can differ sometimes from what's currently been being shown on fan graphs. Um, and other than that, I'm not really sure. I'll be honest. I don't, I haven't dug too deep on Statcast as a as a sort of a, an analysis tool for for pitching performance, really. Um, right. And may, and I probably should. I, I know I should. Um, but other than exit velocity or, or possibly like a barrel percentage or something from the pitching side, but I, to me, it's I care so much more because I primarily pay play points. I care so much more about the strikeout stuff than I do about like the weak contact performance. Um, Right. Because that makes, that's, that makes that's what I, that's what, and, and, and so, you know, maybe it's, it's, but a lot of that stuff I think already exists on fan graphs just in terms of like swinging strike rate and things like that. Right. That's already um, there. Right. For sure. Yeah. I'm interested to see how that, like how that plays. I think we think of Statcast as being a hitter's tool primarily, and it'll be interesting to see, especially in the season where we are talking about having to take bets on relievers. Um, if there is something that we find out of that. Yeah, I think the, the the exit velocity or barrel jumping is sort of an interesting one because uh, while strikeouts are important, not giving up home runs is also hugely important. And so guys who are controlling 
power um, is an important one. Uh, but I think, I guess what I don't know, and this is maybe what I have to look into, is I don't know that I have a good sense of what StatCast data will stabilize and be predictive in a week, <laughs> right? And and I think that's the challenge is like, as you mentioned before with, you know, talking about velocity, it's like at least with velocity, if a guy's velocity is down, his velocity is down, it's probably going to stay down and I can react to that. Um, I don't know if like, especially as we're talking about relievers, right? This guy in a, in a week made three appearances. He faced 12 hitters over the three appearances, Four of them struck out, two of them walked. So only six guys put the ball in play, and his exit velocity was low. Uh, okay, I I guess that's a, like it's better than his exit velocity being high. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure how much better. And 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 that and that's I think my biggest concern with some of this stuff is that like is it even really that meaningful? Like yes, like you said, Chad. Yeah, obviously it's better not to get hard hit hard than it is to to get hit hard, but. I mean, if you look at the the lowest average exit velocity from pitchers last year, I mean, number one is Julio Urias at, at 84.1. Then you've got Sergio Romo, Ryan Yarbrough. This is for a minimum of 100 batted ball events. Um, Steve Ciszek, Nick Goody, Justin Wilson, Adam Ottavino, Jimmy Cordero, Michael Lorenzen, and Francisco Liriano. It's not like that's a, a list of 10 studs. And... So, yeah, it's better to not give up hard contact than it is to give up hard contact. But I don't know how much weight I'm ready to put on something like that right now. It's something I'll look at, but I don't know that that would inform my process necessarily. Right. It's, it might it's be, certainly not in any strong way. It might be more of a 2021 sort of like looking ahead to who might be a breakout candidate type of thing and less of like. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm going to use anything to flip a coin this year, right? Like, uh, sure, because, sure, yeah. And, and I can imagine it's part of the tool shed that you want to use to evaluate. I mean, yeah. I just don't know what it all means, right? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. So, Justin, you were, you were talking about uh, you read off that that top ten list, and I think one of the one of the old things that's always interesting with any stat is to look at like, does this stat actually pull up the best of the best? And so, I've got a question for you about your uh, list you sent us of depth charts projections with saves and holds remove the points per inning. The number three guy on that list, he happens to be a cub, which means that you're perfectly well positioned to talk to us about him, is Dylan Maples. Yes, but <laughs> here's the thing. You'll notice that that's only on eight, uh, seven innings. I think that's just an artifact of rounding in the case of the projections, where he's getting a zero home run um Per the per the projections, but really that's probably something like 0.4, and it's not being fully accounted for in that points per innings pitched. So I don't think if you gave him a full projection, he wouldn't be third. He he, he absolutely, I guarantee you, he wouldn't be third. So <laughs> he's, I, he's I, an interesting guy, right? I mean, he he is like... be, because he's a he's a, one of those guys that can barely hit the broadside of a barn, but the stuff is is unreal. And if he could start to harness that. I mean, like, it's like Carlos Marmol all over again, right? Like, which, you know, brings up some some nightmare uh, memories for me. But um, the stuff is there. Yes, the stuff is there. I just don't think he has any sense of, of control. And and he's just, I mean, he, he makes so... Karinchak look like a, like a, like a, you know, control <laughs> guy. Karinchak fixed so. his control. So we're, we're, we're okay there. But uh, Maples, okay. I mean, looking at his, his minor league performance, 
um, the last really the last three years, right? He has he has walked everybody, as you said, but it hasn't mattered in AAA at all. Um, and in the majors, it's like he just, I mean, in, in I don't know, it, it's it's he's still striking out a ton of guys. Uh, he's just giving up too many home runs. Um, and so it gets really interesting of like, you know, if I look at his projections, I mean, part of it is his project, his major league, you know, it's, it's only 22 major league innings. So, you know, grain of salt here, but his home run per nine over those 22 innings is 1.61. His projections from depth chart is 0.59. And that's not an outlier, right? I mean, zips is 0.45 steamers, 0.74. The bat is 0.67. ATC is 0.96. Like, He's projected to to significantly cut down that home run per nine, and if he does that, uh, the numbers look really different for him. <laughs> I think a lot of that projection is based on. I mean, he has a very good, a very strong track record in the minor leagues of high ground ball rates as well, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is going to limit the the home runs that he gives up on fly balls if he's just not letting very many fly balls um, be hit against him. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that lower home run per nine uh, projection is coming from. Yeah. Cause you look at his page, like 0.59 is his home run per nine projection for depth charts, but he's given a zero on the projection. So when I do the calculations, he's not getting credit for what really should be, you know, a, a, a fraction of a home run that he should have given up. Um, he, he's actually, he's done a pretty good job with the ground ball rate. His major league, you know, again, 22 innings, 53.3% ground ball rate. Last year, it was 68.2%. He's given up 40% home run per fly ball rate. Last year, that was two home runs on five fly balls. So <laughs> right. Who knows and that, how much that means? But like... Nothing. I, right. But he is, he's given up four home runs on 10 fly balls in his career. Um, and so he is, he's seeing him pop up there and knowing I've seen the strikeout rates in the past. And so he's always been intriguing as a guy who like, man, if he could bring those walks down even a little bit, but maybe there's actually something there where if, if that home run per fly ball rate ends up at more like 10% or 15% instead of 40%, does he have value in, in some of these formats? In Fangraphs points? Yes. In the other formats that don't over index strikeouts as much as Fangraph points do, probably not. But yeah, I, I would take a flyer. I would consider taking a flyer on him in Fangraph points, but but probably not in any of the other. Yeah, formats. I'm looking. I mean, even in four by four, he's gonna the home run per nine hopefully comes down, which would help. But if he keeps walking that many guys, he's gonna be bad for your WHIP. He's gonna be bad for your ERA, uh, at least from a reliever perspective. Um, you, you his one point yeah. seven nine career WHIP. You don't want that out of your bullpen. <laughs> Well, again, I'm, I'm looking at what happens as he gets better and brings that down okay. in line with his projection of 1.56. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, 1.79 is just a small sample, Justin. Yeah, yeah right. So course, we can disregard course. it completely. Yeah. Just, just focus on that 1.56. Think about how good that would feel. <laughs> so, I mean, yes, I, I definitely noticed that he was third on that list. I mostly disregarded him because I knew it was going to be just like a rounding issue with the with the home runs. But he, he's a guy to, to have in the back pocket and and maybe keep an eye on, you know, if he shows some, some skills growth with the control and with you know, with that home run allowed, although that's so noisy that you're never really going to know, but um, right. especially if he makes any gains with control, he could be, it would be a completely different story. Cause then you have a high strikeout guy who has bad control, but not God awful control. 
and he and he pitches you know a lot of ground balls which is which is not a, that's like a Zach Britton profile right I mean with worth worse control than Britton but um, you're getting closer to it anyway there are by the way there's some other uh, surprising names in the top let's call it 50 or so on your list um, and right if you consider that you're gonna have 60 actually you're gonna have 60 relief pitchers starting on a given day and, and most leagues have more like I don't know, somewhere between 75 and 85 relief pitchers rostered. Um, Tanner Scott is 32nd on your list. 31st, if I ignore Dylan Maples. Um, And he's only like 1% owned in Fangraph's points leagues. Yeah, yeah. Tanner Scott's been one of those, like they they, they talk about there aren't very many relief prospects. He's kind of been one of those only guys that when they talk about relief prospects, he's one of the ones that's often brought up. Um, And yeah, so I mean, he's been a name that I've looked at in the past. He... Had a small sample last year, didn't go particularly well, but um, he he also has a control issue, not quite to the extent that Maples does, but um, yeah, I think he's a guy that that his his minor league performance has been pretty strong, um, although and eh, not as strong as I would have thought. Just taking a peek at it right now, so I'm not sure what the projections are seeing. It looks like Zips is projecting him. Um, higher than they're better than steamer is so i don't know maybe stips zips is picking something up in that triple a performance last year and really keying in on that so i mean but even that like chris martin is a couple spots above him on your list and is under 28 percent owned across all formats yeah um so it's interesting there's some interesting names here and it's an interesting way of looking at it and obviously you you tend to be very projection heavy right you you yeah you tend yeah. to focus on that and there's some, but there's some interesting names popping up here that as I'm looking to rebuild bullpens, um, there's another there's another guy Brad Brad Week Brad Weck on the Cubs I don't even know who that guy yep. is yeah he's 41st on your list yeah he was a journeyman that sort of had a a, a little bit of a breakout year last year um, in their bullpen and, he's under one um, percent out you know yeah so there's there's yep. some names here that are that are worth um, either. If you need guys now, maybe gambling on now, but certainly watching that first week. And I think, you know, you, you talk about right. combining uh, Justin's w- wanting to gamble on strong performance quickly and Niv's willingness to gamble on just this guy is getting innings. But right. looking at this list and like if Brad Week, whack, how do you pronounce that? I don't do even know? know. No. Okay. Well, Brad W. from the Not Cubs. enough to correct you, that's um, for sure. <laughs> if, sorry, for the, sorry, Brad, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, like, he seems like the kind of guy that, you know, he gets an appearance in the first weekend and it goes well. Right. There's there's some projections backing it up. There's some evidence. If he, get, if he gets an, an appearance, there's some evidence that uh, – who's the manager there? David Ross is going to use him. Yep. Um, maybe and that's a guy that you should gamble on quickly – like that, that to me, that's where Daniel Gold gets interesting is who are the guys who I'm gambling on something that happened in the first week because it, it confirms my priors and tells me that there was something there and maybe I should have been gambling on him before the first week. And, and, and that's also not a terrible bullpen to sort of want to speculate in because it's very unsettled. And I, personally, I'm not sure I'm a big believer in Craig Kimbrell. I didn't mention him as a sort of a, a, a bust candidate because he still does have strong projections. He's RP 21 on this sort of skill-based ranking. Um, but I mean, he had a bad year last year, so there's some concern there. Um, and they don't really, I mean, their setup is unsettled too. Like Rowan Wick right now is their, is their setup guy according to roster resource. And I think that's right. But 
But it doesn't feel uh, locked down to you. No. So that could be that could be Brad Weck. That could be you know. I mean, they they have Jeremy Jeffers kicking around in there. I don't. I I haven't oh, loved man. him in the past, but there's, there's something Jeffers. to dream on a little bit there. We've obviously we already talked about um, three years Dylan ago. Maples, that would be, but that would be exactly the guy I would bet on, right? Like Jeremy yeah. Jeffers is like exactly. I mean, now time has happened, yep. and he's shown a little bit more of a track record that moves me away from him, but. Like three years ago. Anyway, yeah, that interesting pen to look. Surprised at. how low Rowan Wick is on that list. I thought he was I more was a little bit than than RP one forty six per your list. Yeah, I was a little bit too because he. I feel like he. I I don't have his surplus calculator dollar value up right away, but I feel like he is a guy that had a you know more than one dollar. Um, well, he, value, he controls so. home runs, right? Is that is that? Am I remembering correctly? Like. He keeps the ball in the park, which gives you a floor in in both the points and the four by four formats. Yeah, I mean his his major league across it's only forty one innings, but his major league home oh, he didn't give nine up, he didn't give is zero point two two. He didn't give up any last year for the yeah, Cubs. He didn't give up any last year, right? And he projects to be under one. And so my guess is that's he's he's got an his his floor ends up being super high um, in these formats. Although, as Eno pointed out. Last time, home run rate takes a long time to st- stabilize, and so all of a sudden, if he gives up a couple of unlucky home runs this year, he's going to have a bad home run per nine. It's going to swing things. Yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me at all because I don't think—I mean, even the forty innings or whatever is not not a big enough sample to say that that's his skill level is to not allow home runs. Yeah. So, um, any, anything else that you guys want to mention at, at the position? Any other names you want to quickly mention before we wrap this up? No? Okay. I think we've covered no, I mean, plenty. It's just, it's <laughs> got over an hour. I don't know how this keeps happening. Ventures. I just I think, don't, you know, I don't want to name any names because I think names are impossible this year. But I think, you know, I, I got to just triple down on just be willing to take some risks uh, like you know, as we're wrapping up all the positional stuff all together, it's a sixty-game season. It's going to be weird. Um, let it be fun, and if you let it be fun, you're going to take some fun risks. And I think relief pitcher is probably the first place you do that. And you might find something really fun. You might find a guy who ruins your entire season in two outings. And if you do that, then I don't know. You get to pick up some really cheap prospects for our earlier episodes, right? So, um. Yeah, there yeah, you go. That, you know, we're talking about how long it's going to take everybody to decide that they're not in it anymore. You get some bad performances, you get yeah, that out of the way. You figure you it eat out that real frog <laughs> and figure out that you're you're not going anywhere, and then you can shift over to a prospect heavy approach. So you know, it's win win. Just look, so find the silver lining no matter what. There's right? there's there's a way to find this to be fun no matter what you do. So just yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what I'd say. I don't. I think names. We're gonna have to wait a week and talk about it then. Yeah. And I think half the guys we mentioned might be, you know, we might this might look foolish in, in another month and a half. So. Yeah, there also might be like 45 auctions started on Ju- on July 29th. You know, I can sort of see that happening between, yeah. um, like, just good luck. <laughs> <laughs> good luck, yeah. All right, That well, that's the capper to the, to the positional series is just Niv saying good luck. Thank you and been, good luck. Best, uh, it is the best summary of how to prepare for this season. <laughs> oh, we've, we've spent a season where everybody might get sick. Good luck. <laughs> we have seven, seven episodes of positional series, and then that's the capstone. Good luck. <laughs> All right, well. With that, good luck. 
thank you to everybody for listening to these. Um, we're going to figure out a format for what, what we're going to be doing going forward, obviously, now that we've wrapped up this series. So um, we'll, we'll let you guys know. But thank you for everyone that listens, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you.